You're listening to Brand to Brand, the marketing show. With your hosts, Thomas Sterling. This is the future. This is where everything goes. And Veronica St. Cyr. Why the hell would anybody buy this? An unfiltered conversation on brand strategy. And it worked like crazy. Marketing trends. I think they're in again. And emerging technology. There's going to be big impacts here. You're excited. I'm pumped. (laughs) All right. Let's kick things off. Well, I can't believe it, but we did it. We did it. We did another season. We were crazy enough to do it, Veronica. <laughs> high five. All right. See if you can reach. That's okay. That's good enough. That'll do. Uh, finger. As we close out another season, another season of amazing brand moments and mm. brand fails, mm. we're just taking a moment to kind of kick back, relax, and think about all the ground that we've covered. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this, V? How uh, are you feeling? Is this episode, this is episode what, 60? This is the 60th episode we've recorded. It what feels like a fuck? lot more than that. That's crazy. <laughs> wow, it's so much time of just sitting in this chair and staring at your face. Yeah. And then not shutting up. And that's and that doesn't count all the time that we cut. Because, yeah. you know, you did nothing good to say. Yeah. And that's the show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, we have. It's so funny. I was listening back to the highlight reel of season two, which is a great spark notes. It's a great entry episode. If you love the show and you want to send it to a friend to get the general mm. vibe, um, the amount of, of stuff there always is to talk about. And we made a joke on the last one, and it still stands. We're we're gonna stay employed and have job security because there's always going to be stuff to talk about. Yeah, what's fun going back through the archives every season is seeing how many episodes the content has completely gone upside down, mm. and how much are timeless because you know some of these lessons they just they just last. They are they do last, and this was a huge season for us because we did our first ever live episode. Mm, that's, that's pretty right. cool. We picked up this whole sh- whole show and took it on the road. We got heckled a little bit. We did get heckled. You got hit on a little we, bit. We said, yep. we said we would never do it again. <laughs> we lied. We're doing we're, it again. We're planning another one. More to come on that, but let's get into it. It's a little bit of yay and then wait. Shake That's our big time. Yeah, you can hear it. All right, so first stop on the train today, I think we got to bring it all the way back. (laughs) (laughs) Episode one, one of our most popular episodes of the season. Some people started with the first episode. They never listened again. (laughs) I don't know how that works. Maybe it's because it's been out the longest. All right, Veronica. (laughs) Or maybe they hated it and said, I'm not fucking doing that again. But wow, I guess we know who's glass half full in this studio. Episode one, Disney versus versus Starbucks loyalty starts with leadership and I think this is probably one of the more popular episodes because it has ubiquitous value for just anybody listening and with that let's play a clip one of the things I appreciate about Starbucks is they have been a shining example where a unionization maybe wasn't necessary and in this case it's because they've historically treated their team their partners Partners. so well and that was atypical Oh, yeah. But because there's been so much wage growth last year, because there's been so many changes, I imagine the average partner slash barista is saying, not enough, not soon enough. And so this guy that has put so much of his life into Starbucks come back on at a dollar salary because he owns a lot of the stock and he needs the stock to go up. That's obviously the long game. He's trying to take care of them and maybe it's just falling a little bit flat because 
He just maybe seems like a Starbucks from the past yeah. and not the Starbucks of the future. Well, that didn't age well. <laughs> In this episode, we were talking about the importance of that CEO personal brand and how it impacted how people felt about the brand. Since that episode aired, Howard Schultz, who we were talking about, has been investigated by the Senate for his anti-unionization efforts and ended up stepping down from the Starbucks board. If you've been following this on social media, there has been a lot of Starbucks boycotting or girlcotting, as they say, <laughs> um, which we can see affects a company's bottom line, a.k.a. it's... It's been a tough year for personal brands, just in general, leadership. It is lonely at the top, but it is critical for leaders to uphold the brand's integrity, authenticity, especially when tackling sensitive issues. Disney stock price, they took a tumble, but they're on their way back. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Speaking of sensitive issues, the last season was filled with brand wins and losses, depending on knowing when to get involved or stay out of situations. Mm. And some made their whole brand about being involved in situations with some charitable or one-to-one -one models. We talked about Tom's versus Allbirds and how companies are leveraging mm. cause-based marketing. However, we can't forget it's still a for-profit company. It's not a charity. They're still setting out to make money. And then we went into Philip Morris, Ben & Jerry's and talked about ESG initiatives and if those are feel-good strategies mm. um, that align with the brand's values or are bullshit to placate consumer values. Yeah, it's been a tough year for acronyms. CSR, ESG, DEI, OPP, yeah, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> for the sake of entertainment, let's talk about when those woke campaigns can backfire. Yeah, let's jump into episode 10, Bud Light versus Target, the challenges of woke marketing. On the one hand, we're talking about a bathing suit and a design of a can. On the other hand, we're actually talking about a core audience feeling disrupted, mm. looking in the mirror and saying, wait a second, this is where I shop. But is this where I should shop? Is this the place that represents me anymore? Which is a big conversation. We've talked so much on the show and people feel that, and especially with the millennial and, and Gen Z and soon beyond generations, that there is an expectation to shop and I and support brands that you identify with. So that, that presents a unique challenge for marketers. I, one thing in the case of Target that I find so interesting about this entire conversation is the Pride collection was not new. This was not the first time mm, the Pride mm -hmm. collection was available. It's actually, it started a decade ago. So for 10 years, Target has been putting out the Pride collection and has been selling merchandise that is aligned with Pride Month. And I'm sure they got some backlash, but never at the level they did this year. And when you do any research about topics like this or any other brands, through this lens of backlash around LGBTQ issues, it always comes back to the Bud Light effect. It's now a moniker. Bud Light is the latest and greatest version and the biggest supernova, mm -hmm. but there's been boycotting of brands, both from conservative and democratic points of view, because that's the tribe and it's these tribal points of view and it's our feeds and us all seeing the same thing and us reacting and objecting. This does show how much power people do have, how much power consumers have to rally and 
wreck a brand, mm-hmm. which again, the pressure on, on marketers and business leaders today to navigate these waters and understand has never been stronger. That audience, understand that audience. Coming out of that and thinking about woke marketing, I saw a great video online around Christmas where there was white Santas and black Santas and conservatives were losing their minds. And the top comment was, let's just remember the company's only objective is to just sell more products to a wider audience. So being inclusive (laughs) is not actually about values. It's just ensuring they can sell more shit. And I think that is like the perfect way to think about some of this as we're like, oh, Target's like doing a good thing. And it's like, no, they found they a way to a make bet, more money. Or they made a bet and it, <laughs> might, it might, not have, might not have paid off. Probably not in this case. And this just highlights something really critical, which we talked about a lot on this season, which is understanding an audience that is a foundational element of marketing. And we can see in that episode that some brands just don't get it right. Success follows when brands do get it right. And a prime example of that is Logan Paul's Prime. Do you like that, Tom? Come on. Uh, Nothing? Uh, All right. I um, don't like his drink, so I just cringe <laughs> thinking well, about it. Well, I don't it. like him, so look but at that. But their limited release model <laughs> really gets the people going. It really does. We talked about this on an episode of Youth Marketing where we pinned Prime against Fortnite, and we talked about how these brands found viral ways to create bragworthy movements for kids to avoid FOMO. Mm. Fear of missing out is so powerful. Yeah, similar to how some brands have figured out how to connect with their audiences by kind of inviting them into a lifestyle, Mm. a bigger purpose, a bigger meaning. Yeti does a really good job with that. Red Bull does a really good job for that too. These are brands that feel like they mean more to their audience than simply a piece of clothing or a product. So let's dive into episode 14, Yeti versus Red Bull, marketing a lifestyle. And one of the things that's beloved about Yeti is honestly its durability and its performance. It's a product that costs a lot, but it lasts. Mm-hmm. It's durable. This is a brand people love, and they make it a part of their lifestyle. And Red Bull does the exact same thing. However, your lifestyle might need to be a little more extreme. (laughs) It is synonymous with extreme sports. It is Formula One racing, cliff diving, snowboarding, BMX biking. Red Bull is all about high adrenaline pumping lifestyles. So looking at those brands, I guess you could say that branding is... But beyond understanding a brand's audience, there's a strategy behind how you maintain that loyalty. On one hand, you have to stay true to who you are because clearly people don't like flip-flopping on That should be the only hand. (laughs) Stay true to who you are. Stay true to who you are. But (laughs) on the left hand, (laughs) if you have an extra hand, um, if you don't maintain relevance or find a way to adapt and still kind of stay in people's awareness by like Mm. not sticking to some old ways of doing things, you run the risk of being displaced and forgotten, right? You have to show up where your consumer is. So you got your authentic hand and then your sneaky hand. (laughs) (laughs) You got to watch this one. Watch this one. (laughs) When we talk about maintaining relevance, we have to talk about brands like L.L. Bean and Stanley that have had milestones. They've had ups, they've had downs, and in some ways they're having a revival. They're really winning with the younger generation, taking advantage of heritage branding. Let's play the clip from episode 16. 
So L.L. Bean's experienced some steady growth. They have remained popular. They've remained reliable as a brand. Stanley has done something with their newfound popularity, which has been to specifically market to women, which you do primarily see a lot of women influencers who are promoting their products on social media. However, the big thing on social media, which very recently happened, was did you see the video of the woman whose car caught on fire? I mean, that's breaking news. Yeah, total breaking news. Um, This woman posted a video on social media where her car caught on fire and the ice in her Stanley Cup didn't melt, even though the entire interior of the vehicle did. And the CEO jumped on this viral moment to create some brand magic. So my only comment there is, how much ice did this woman have in that (laughs) Stanley for it to survive a fire? I want so much more of the background story (laughs) of how this fire came to be. I want to launch a conspiracy theory into the internet zeitgeist, which is maybe they set the car on fire. (laughs) Stanley? People from Stanley (laughs) did it? I was thinking maybe they paid her off to do it. I don't think they just showed up and, and torched the thing, but... Well, a girl can dream, Thomas. And since this episode, on a recent SNL episode, we love SNL. We love what they do for the public commentary of what brands are doing in the space. But they have a skit called Big Dumb Cup, and they make fun of it. They make fun of the fact that, yes, it can survive the car fire. And, yes, if you hold it upside down, no, it water just leaks out the top. Like, it's this big, stupid, dumb cup. And, and people are saying, you know, maybe the Stanley's on its way out. I don't know. I don't Ooh, know. I don't know. Who knows? We shall see. Also this season, we talked about some other brands that are winning market share with younger audiences. We dug into Converse versus Polaroid, talking about selling nostalgia. We talked about Campbell's versus Cadillac and how super subtle shifts uh, in strategy can still maintain that relevance with an audience. And revisiting a lot of these brands... There really was a core theme of the power of the brand. And we think about it from a marketing perspective, but I don't think consumers think about it all that often. Mm. But it weighs in on what decisions they make, what they buy, what they don't buy. And as somebody that loves a good brand and loves to get spicy, Mm. I felt like we have to talk about the Tabasco and Truff episode. I've had people ask, when are you going to make hot sauce? When are you going to make more episodes about hot sauce? I've had people ask, when am I going to eat more (laughs) hot sauce on this show and embarrass myself? So let's give the people what they want, I guess. Episode 12, Tabasco versus Truff. Branding that burns so good. So good. <laughs> What's cool about Truff is they are creating a whole new niche, a whole new category of premium hot sauce at $35 a bottle for a six ounce container. That's bougie. Yeah, where your brand's like three and a half. <laughs> so, of course, a brand that premium has some premium partnerships. And we're talking celebrity fans, including Chris Jenner, Lil John, Steve Aoki. They also have a limited edition Taco Bell partnership. Oh. Pretty cool. Fancy. They also have a YouTube series of people actually learning cooking skills. And we're talking about Dead Mouse and all sorts of other celebrities. Oh. I'd love to see Dead Mouse cook in the mouse. He doesn't wear that. He doesn't wear that. <gasps> oh, no. Oh, then I don't want to see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side of that, Tabasco. Leaning into traditional marketing <laughs> efforts, I bet. <laughs> yeah, lots of traditional marketing efforts. However, has started a foyer into social media 
has definitely exploded, figured out that they got to get behind this. I'm sure with um, young and hungry brands emerging like Truff on the market, realize they got to get with the times. A big thing we've talked about on the show is how do you take these old hundred plus year old brands and still make them rele- relevant so they resonate with Renovate the brand today. like an old home. Yes, just like an old home, like Campbell's Soup with a slight font change. No one will know. And I think one of the social media stunts we have to talk about is there is a social media influencer named Spicy Cam. He calls himself the Spice King. That's all he does is talk about hot stuff, hot sauces in particular. And Tabasco did kind of like a guerrilla marketing influencer one-off gift and sent him a gallon jug of hot sauce with like a push tab and then a bucket hat that had a mini slot for a mini bottle of hot sauce. Outrageous. You have Tabasco keychains. You also, cult following. It's a cult following when people are getting tattoos of your logo. I feel like as a brand person, you know you made something special when people are putting your logo on their body forever. It's the oldest form of a brand. It is. They've literally branded themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, go. I was just going to say, it's funny hearing our commentary because I would literally say the same thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, whoa, how is this guy reading my this thoughts? Guy, it's he's you. got all the insights. And also, didn't Steve Aoki die? But then it turned out he didn't die and it's a Mandela effect thing? I know. I literally just saw him at WWE and he kicked somebody in the face. I heard he died. I had to Google it. <laughs> Well, cooling down from those hot brands, we're going to jump into our episode on water. You can't do a highlight reel and talk about branding without talking about liquid death. You want to extinguish those flames. Yes, and we're doing so with episode 11, Liquid Death versus LaCroix, How Marketing Made Water Cool. It's funny hearing the description. It's like... Uh, millennials went to find something that had zero anything in it and they found this. Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny that it says on the can like zero sweetener, zero sodium equals innocent. Ooh. I'm getting into heaven. Just and like you have just like death. this innocent angry uh, <laughs> beverage overlord. <laughs> This is totally a a case study of marketing at its absolute finest. It's finding that kind of important, impactful moment between market need and marketing. And understanding the audience and saying, we're not going to do those big TV splashes. Let's try to do something a little bit different. Right. And even though they did different and they didn't follow what the big brands did, still to this day, Coke and Pepsi globally are well in the lead above any sparkling water brand. This is definitely more of a North American craze. However, the rise of this sugar-free canned beverage played a supporting role in what eventually led to liquid death. All right, well, in this corner, we've got liquid death, a can by anyone's imagination that looks creepy weird and, (laughs) I don't know, something that you have to pick up and say why. Yeah. And that's exactly the point. (laughs) Their founder, Mike Cesario, who started this, he's an old school ad man. Not that old school, he's 40, but (laughs) serial agency guy. And he had to get himself a piece of the action. And he actually started a different business before he started this. And it didn't wasn't successful. So he said, well, wait, what was that other idea that I had? What about if I decided to put water in some ridiculous can design? And here you are. Liquid Death. A product that was started out as a joke that has rised to unbelievable heights. It so is amazing. If you want a successful business, figure out the dumbest idea you possibly have, because that's literally what he said that he did. So that's the playbook for today, folks. 
And that's the playbook for this season. Understand your audience, build a brand that resonates with them authentically, and figure out where the hell you can stand out. Exactly. And marketing has the capability of shifting any category. And we explored that in the episode with Geico versus Progressive. How marketing made insurance cool. And that fun vibe in insurance led us to an episode where we finally talked about us being agency people. Mm. What? Sure, a quick Google search could have provided you the info of what we really do, but maybe you thought this was our full-time job because we're so good at it. Sometimes you got to open the kimono and just... Let people in. This kimono has come back every season. Tom's branding kimono open in the wind. God. Uh, So we're jumping into episode 19, Liberty Mutual versus Pepsi, in-house or agency marketing. And so it's not as clear and cut and dry as in-house versus agency. Mm. And in general, from a market perspective, there's always a pendulum swing Mm -hmm. where companies are doing really, really well and they're not as worried about expenses because return on investment is still there. And then all of a sudden, they get into optimization territory and that's when they're also right-sizing their business and maybe there's layoffs and all sorts of other things where they start to say, wait a second, what is this big marketing thing and maybe we could be more efficient. But then you start to think about production or you start to think about creative and maybe the cost benefit analysis doesn't work because all of a sudden the things that you are gaining dollars and cents forego the quality of what you're getting which means that the results aren't necessarily there so then you question whether or not the dollars actually end up in your favor well it sounds like you have no opinion on the matter Thomas. <laughs> no comment <laughs> and coming out of that if you feel like you're in a relationship with marketing that just doesn't get you and you know you deserve better, check out these words from our sponsor. Was your last marketing campaign not up to snuff? Are you sick of being presented stale, run-of-the-mill concepts? Well then, you're ready for a breakup. Introducing the Sterling, it wasn't you, it was your agency. Breakup kit, just pop open the kit, grab a blanket, and snuggle up to a warm cup of feeling sorry for yourself. We'll get to work. For a fresh start and powerful new marketing campaign, email or call today. So before we close out the show, we owe all of you listening, watching, doing whatever you're doing, a few moments that never made the final cut. Yes, let's all have a respectful moment of chaos for the sound bites we lost along the way. Pour some out for the dead scenes. (laughs) I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. Do I play anything? I don't play anything. Do I play anything? A little bit of shake and bake. Shake and bake. Welcome to the Brand to Brand podcast, where we talk about branding. I hated that. (laughs) You know what would be great? Never mind. I'll tell you later. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep that in the blooper reel. (laughs) But ultimately, the next generation... <laughs> I can't do it. My can't do it. Speaking of Truff, Truff was founded by two guys named Nick. That's all I got. <laughs> Tolson, who's played a. Uh, uh, let me just say that part again. Okay. She's totally drunk on the pod. Okay, sorry. I'll, I'm just going to say the joke apart. Failed <laughs> attempt at automobile. Automobile? Start it again. With automobile? Run it back, Allie McBeal. Uh, all right, hold on. Um. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like I've never done this before. Today is my first day. Uh, Pusha T. Pusha T. Steve Aoki. Pusha T. Pusha T. Pusha T. Push that motherfucking T. Steve Aoki and Pusha T. Pusha T. Yeah, okay. Pusha T. All right. Steve Aoki and Pusha T. Why don't I just take over? Yeah, good. Okay. Please take over. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, they've paid a... Um, let me start that again. Found it in... <laughs> Sorry. It's this, it's this take. I can feel it. Okay. I don't think grandmas have hot sauce, so... Yeah, they might, though. Your grandma might be I spicy. Don't... And it only happened because she spoke oh, no. to me like Arnold. That was good. Yeah, that's good enough. Right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And guess what? All of the great episodes and sound bites and bits and things and tiddly butts, they're all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can certainly catch any of it on YouTube as well. And as we plan our next season, because you know we're going to keep this party going. Please send us ideas. If you have something that you want us to talk about, hit us up in the comments or drop us a line at brandtobrand.co or just stalk Tom and I on LinkedIn. Yeah, that's a good source for sure. And with that, we're out, folks. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, smash the subscribe button or listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're out of here.